We changing the game on the name, put respect. Uncle Dad talks, yeah, live and direct. What did you expect from the two fly guys? One love Kevin Smith, one or more is Golden Eye. Mike's the level-headed, baby gave edits. Uncle Dad gets nervous all the time, but to his credit, he's clever. Spring stuff on Mike on a daily. It can mangle up a name amazingly. The range of events and topics makes it hard to stop listening. So why even attempt it? From bare knuckle fighting to Grammy songwriting to Burning Man flames. To a fight of video games and many, many more than I could put in a verse. Just subscribe, tune in to Uncle Dad. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Uncle Dad Talks. I'm Uncle Dad and with me as always is the ever so handsome Mike Hampton. Mike, what's up? Hello, hello, hello. Um, you know, uh, Baby Gabe was telling me that's the trademark now. Is I got I to gotta keep it at that uh the uh, ever so handsome is that the trademark <laughs> yeah because he was like uh he goes oh man the ever so handsome mike <laughs> so maybe that's the that's the shirt i should wear when we go out and do our live uh episodes out at conventions and stuff is the ever so handsome oh dude i love it i actually that actually might be a good idea i love that a lot actually i mean i'm not saying that i'd actually wear that but <laughs> maybe it it sounds like a fun idea on tape or maybe or maybe we sell it right because then anybody could be the ever so handsome. That's right. That's right. I, okay. I like that better. Yeah. I think. Yeah, me, me too. Me too. Uh, yes, sir. Uh, it's good to see you. We haven't done an episode. We have took a little bit of a break. Uh, all good. That's just kind of what happens in this in, in our fun little business we do here. Um, well, it's part of the industry. It's part of the industry, indeed. Yes. I mean, I don't know. If that's. In, I mean, Joe Rogan makes one every day. So, but he also makes millions. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if we were making we make, millions, I'm, <laughs> yeah. yeah, if we make a couple bucks here and there, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right, right, <laughs> yeah. I know if we were making millions, we'd be doing this every day too. <laughs> I, I'm with you. Yeah, we would be. <laughs> yeah, we would. Everything be. else would be Everything. not as important. No way. Uh, all right, sir. So before we dive into today's uh, uh, guest, uh, let's talk about a couple things. First off, being our sponsor, the ever the ever so lovely. Uh, <laughs> The uh, Clandestine Brewing, of course, located in San Jose, California. Uh, Clandestine Brewing is uh, the best place to go for any sort of microbrewery in San Jose. They got some of the best beers in town, period, and probably arguably the South Bay. I would say some of the – they truly are some of the best beers, and I'm not just saying that just because they're sponsored by us. I know you completely agree with that, so please go support them, Clandestine Brewing uh, in San Jose, California. Go follow them on Instagram at Clandestine Brewing, uh, of course, one word. Uh, Mike, and the second thing is we have a call to action for our, our audience, oh. our listeners. That call oh. to action is uh, we are trying to return on the, the hot 50 list for Podcast Magazine. Uh, in order to do that, we need you guys to help us out. All you got to do is go to podcastmagazine.com forward slash hot 50. And then when you go in there to bring it up straight to the voting screen, all you got to do is type in who you vote for, Uncle Dad Talks. Uh, and remember, that's Uncle Dad, one word, space talks. And you got to put your who's hosted by. It is hosted by Mike and the ever so handsome. Oh, sorry. No. <laughs> it's hosted. <laughs> it's yeah, hosted. That's okay. You can do that. <laughs> okay. It's hosted by Uncle Dad and the ever so handsome Mike Hampton. <laughs> uh, uh, Mike, what do you think about that? We, we, need to, we need to get back on that list, yeah? And Yes. And uh, of course, because – uh, you know, who wouldn't want to be on such a list, the hot 50 list. And so when they type it in, do they type in the numbers hot 50, five, zero, or do they write out 50? 
Uh, it's five zero. Good question. Good question. Yeah, just to clarify. Clarify, mm-hmm. yes. And then another announcement, really quickly. Uh, a big thank you to everybody who listens, because uh, according to ListenNotes.com, uh, Mike and I, our silly little show, has officially become in the top five percent most popular podcast, most listened to podcast in the world. That feeling is insane. Still, I don't know how you felt, Mike, but truly, it's been one of those things that I'm trying to like. Wow, this is insane. It is insane, I, and I'm. I wonder what is there a category that we're under, or is it just overall podcasts in the world? So it's overall podcasts in the world, uh, but the category we are under is arts. Oh, arts. Yeah. Okay. Um, wonderful. Well, uh, I don't even know what to say. I almost don't even believe it. Is it true? Is it fake news? <laughs> it's not fake news because I because okay. I sent you the link. <laughs> okay, that's right. Well, it's just. You know, just because there's a link, but but no, I, I did. I saw it. It's actually it is on the actual website, and it does look real. So yeah, it's uh, it's insane, man. And then also on top of that, just again because we love to thank everybody here, is uh, we also charted in another country. Uh, shout out to Kenya, uh, Kenya, if you're listening. Uh, clearly, you are. Thank you for listening to the show. I wouldn't have ever imagined having a podcast that would chart in Kenya. Let me tell you, Kenya. Kenya. Is it Ke- Kenya? Is it Kenya? Hey, Kenya. Get, Mike, can I ask you something though? Yeah. Can you believe it? Oh. Oh. Baby, baby game. game. Jump shot. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Can you believe it? Indeed. Yeah, that's exciting, right? I, those are just things I wanted to talk about, Mike. But I have to hear. How do you feel about that, Kenya? Well, I, I, I don't even know. I mean. Anytime we start anywhere, I'm surprised. So thank you to everyone who's listening to us uh, on the other side of the world. Well, it's exciting. <laughs> but not <Very> America. <laughs> no, no, definitely not here. Nobody not cares here. here. Yeah. Nobody cares here, yes. Uh, but yeah, Mike, so uh, now that I got that out the way, um, let's talk about today's guest. Today's guest, is a, he's a friend of yours or uh, he's a mentor of yours? Tell me about that. He's not a friend or a mentor, actually. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I'm a fan of his work. Um, and I have talked to him uh, in person and online and actually on a text message and on an email. <laughs> but uh, no, I'm just a big fan of his work. And I, I had seen his, his uh, murals. He does a, a lot of murals specifically all over the country. Um, but you see a lot of his murals here in the Bay Area because that's where he lives. Um, and I had seen him for years and then found out his name and then followed him on Instagram. And then, um, and then, uh, one way or another reached out and, and so I'm super stoked to have him on the show. I, I, I love his, his color. Uh, it's kind of like a, I don't know, almost like a fine art graphic graffiti piece style. Uh, it's like, a, it's a mesh of different mediums. It feels like, um, but I know he, he's. If you've been, if you're in the Bay Area, you've definitely seen his murals out and around. Yeah, and uh, we'll, when we release this episode, I think we should post some pictures of the murals with the actual promo card. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and and for the you know, I, I know you see his name when you click on the link to listen to our show, but uh, Ricky Watts is his name for those listening. And um, if you check out his his Instagram, he posts lots of really cool videos of him doing murals on buildings and festivals and stuff. So he's, I don't know, in my opinion, he's one of the top notch uh, artists to come out of Northern California. It's a bold statement, but I'm saying it. You know, I think the best one to come out of Northern California is you. (laughs) Well, 
You're biased. <laughs> you have to I mean, say that. I have to say it because you're the ever so handsome. <laughs> you gotta keep. You gotta keep feeding my ego. Yeah, of course, of course. Uh, yeah, so I'm very excited as well to have Ricky Watson. Uh, his his art is the way he. It almost looks like um, like printed textiles, if that makes sense. Uh, mm-hmm. The way he the way he does his art, it is so captivating when you look at it uh especially when you're super stoned like it's mm-hmm. really really it's like watch it's like looking at the, the yellow brick road kind of you know morphing into something else if that makes sense what did you say so what textiles <laughs> what what printed textiles what, printed textiles <laughs> yeah we'll have to bring that up to ricky and see what he thinks about that and he says, fuck off. <laughs> he says, okay. fuck off. I'm the greatest. He says, okay. Well, thank you for your feedback. <laughs> uh, but yes, without further ado, we'll be right back after this. And, and as always, uh, be sure to follow us uh, at, at Uncle Dad Talks on Instagram because that's where we're going to post all like the pictures and stuff. And I think really quickly before we uh, uh, end the intro here, uh, Mike, we're going to start working on kind of doing more like – showcasing of our, our of our artists or whoever guests we have with our with our uh social media networks i think uh right. one of the things i wanted to quickly bring out is uh, we did a thing recently with shinzo katayama and if you go to our our uh, our instagram you can actually see all the official production stills that they sent us to share with you all so please just follow us because we're starting to add more value to that and we really appreciate that so at uncle that's on instagram and without further ado we'll be right back after this break Well, all right, all right, all right. We are back with uh, our special guest. And of course, uh, this is one of those special episodes where Mike is going to take the keys and drive. Uh, so hopefully he got his license and he can do this right again. Uh, so let's give it up uh, for Mike. Mike, are you ready to take the keys? Yeah, let's give it up for me. Hopefully I don't drive us right off the road. <laughs> well, <laughs> go ahead and introduce our guest one more time, please. Yeah, so I mean, it's an First of all, I'll just say again, it's an honor to have you on the show, uh, Ricky, Mr. Ricky Watts. For those uh, for those out there listening, um, Ricky Watts is, is based here in the Northern California, close to the Bay Area, in and around the Bay Area. You see his work all over the United States. You do see a lot of it here in the Bay, which which is how I got turned on onto your work, Ricky. And um, first of all, thanks for coming on and. Uh, Let's uh, let's let's uh, let's say this. I know you you uh, you are originally from San Francisco, and and now you're kind of in the Sonoma area of the Bay Area, correct? Yeah, um, I'm stoked to be here. Thank you for having me on. Uh, I was born in San Francisco, but uh, when I was young, my parents moved up to Petaluma, and that's where I grew up. So um, we have uh, Bay Area roots, but uh, most of my time has been spent uh, up here in the North Bay. Yeah, it, it's a, uh, it's that town that uh, has a bunch of, well, they have they have quite a few uh, roosters and chickens running around, isn't that right? They do, yeah. They're known for their chickens. Yeah. <laughs> have you ever incorporated a chicken in into one of your uh, murals? I might have uh, a couple times. Yeah, a couple times. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I love it, love it. So I'm gonna I'm gonna take it back to to, to your roots, sure. San Francisco, and we're about this. I think we're pretty much the same age. And um, I spent my formative years growing up in Sacramento and got into hip hop. And I know you also grew up listening to a lot of hip hop, yep. specifically San Francisco and Bay Area hip hop. Yep. 
right? Yeah. And I want to know who were some of your favorite, it doesn't just have to be San Francisco artists, but like Bay Area hip hop, like what, who, who were you listening to as a young Ricky Watts? Uh, early on, it was a lot of like Bay Area gangster rap. So it was um, Andre Nicotina and Totally Insane, uh, UDI, San Quinn, uh, a lot of that stuff. And then it kind of evolved uh, more into like hieroglyphics and um, a lot of uh, <clears throat> um, and, like E-40 and of course Too Short and like, I mean, so many Bay Area staples. Um, and then uh you know more more recently it's been um uh like Gerb City and like Topper and Z-Man and and like those Bay Area uh, artists are uh <clears throat> in heavy rotation right now. Topper. Yeah. <laughs> like, I funny. have to say something really fast. Too. Yeah. Hold on. Go ahead. <laughs> Yes. I can't believe how hard you used to go. Let me just tell you that. So that you're, you're more gangster than some people out here. Let me tell you that. Well, in the early 90s, I mean, it was just, it was this whole new genre and it was just mind blowing for a 13 year old, you know, like I just got so into it. It just sucked me in. Yeah. Yeah. I got sucked in too pretty hard. Yeah. Definitely felt the suck. Um, <laughs> what about 11.5? Did you, did you listen to 11.5? A lot five? of 11.5. Yeah. 11 five. Yeah. Do you remember the... Yeah. <laughs> uh, of course, Rapping Forte is in there. Everybody loves uh, Rapping Forte. Yeah. Um, um, did you have the compilation Bay Area Players? Yes. Or play, Players. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I listen to a lot of stuff. And, it, and it's funny. Have you tried listening to any of that now? As we've uh, a little bit. It's hard now. Yeah. It, it doesn't it's have hard. the same charm as it did uh, um when i was you know 13 14 years old uh but sometimes yeah, it's fun I, to kind of go back and like relive some of those the the, the, the those compilations and those uh yeah yeah no i agree <laughs> man i there there are times where where i'm i'm designing and working on art or whatever and i'll throw on some of that stuff just because i'm in the mood for it and it, it only can last <clears throat> i don't even think i can get through a full song most of the time it's i want to hear a verse yeah i hear the chorus that's enough to take me back. And then I start feeling like I start feeling trashy. So I got to move on right, to the right. next thing. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, one of the things that, uh, that I feel like you and I may relate the same to on as well. And I think kind of goes hand in hand with hip hop is sports. Right. And you were a big sports fan growing up. Yep. And so I, I assume you were a, probably a Warriors fan. Yep. Yeah. All Bay Area teams, Giants, Niners, Warriors. Yeah. What about when when the Warriors were really bad because they were really bad for a really long time? Yeah. Did you ever did you ever feel the 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 pull to come hang out with the Kings fans when they were really good? <laughs> when they had, you know, the, the Chris Webber and the Mike Bibby years. I never did because we're not that we're not that far down the road. You know. No, no, I've never been to a Kings <laughs> game. Uh, but when I was a kid, um, you know, of course the Warriors were my team. But your your loyalty is more in the player, right? When you're you're it's less about the team. So you have, you know, like your favorite player was like Michael Jordan or David Robinson or something like that. Right. So I would go to warrior games to go see my favorite player on the other team mostly, you mm. know? And so, and back then it was, um, tickets were a little easier to come by, you know, and it was affordable. Uh, so my dad and I would go down to maybe, you know, I probably been to a handful of games, not too many, but you know, maybe like five or six games in my lifetime. Yeah. Yeah. It's still fun to just go, even though, you know, 
your team stinks. I, I've been to many Kings <laughs> games since those short amount of glory years, and 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 you know. Yeah. Do yeah. you like the new arena? Or do you miss the old one? Both. You yeah. know, like the old one, the the old one, the old Arco, the old barn. Yeah. Um, it's kind of like the old Oracle, where like it has that classic feel. You can you're right on top of the of the of the of the court. You got close close access to the players. You can like see them right there. You can probably get an autograph if you want that. Um, and it just feels like it's tight and compact. And when it gets loud, it gets super loud. And it just has that really kind of old feel. And then the new arenas, um, you know, they they can be a little sterile. Although I think Golden One and SAC did a really good job of really making it open. Yeah. So like right away when you walk in the front doors, which the, the big glass doors in the front of the building can open up when it's, you know, because in SAC it gets pretty warm. So the, the, the half of the building can be open up to the outside air. But when you walk in, the arena is just so open and there's all these open spaces for people to, to congregate and hang out and watch the game together. So you're not just sitting in your seat on like the upper level and the lower level. And while Golden, uh, I'm sorry, Chase Center is, is nice and shiny. I feel like I'm in an airport security uh, every time I go to my seat there. It's like, it's, you can, you go to your section, you sit the fuck down and you watch the damn game. Sure. (laughs) So they're both, but they both are nice. Yeah. They're they're very nice. Yeah. I have yet to go to the Chase Center, but uh, someday I'll make it down there. Well, sell a couple paintings and and I'm sure you'll have enough. There we go. Now we're talking. It's not, it's not cheap. Um, Yeah. So, so another thing, since we're talking about, uh, our commonalities as a young child. Uh, you were also in the comics, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so, and so talk to me about that. Like, how'd you get in the comics and then, uh, and, and what comics did you read when you were a kid? Um, well, I was always really drawn to like the vintage comics when I was a kid. Um, I think because I grew up watching like old Disney cartoons. And so like some of the older, like Walt Disney comics, I really got into, but um, I, a lot of my younger comic collecting was mostly like Wolverine and X Men and 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 a lot of the Marvel stuff, just because that's what my friends were collecting, and so um, I kind of got on board with that. Um, yeah, I I first got into comics um, just reading uh, the the Sunday comics, and then I got excited about drawing my own comics because I liked. Um, I like drawing obviously. And so it just, it just kind of went hand in hand that I would start creating my own comics. And then I started going down that rabbit hole, like trying to do an entire comic book where I would draw all the pages and, and do all the, all the illustrating and all the writing for it. And so that took up a lot of time. I don't know if I ever actually finished uh, a complete comic book, but I definitely had fun, um, kind of sitting down and like trying to put it all together. (laughs) So we've learned. So what do we learn? We learned you're a, you're a Marvel kid, yep. a Marvel guy. Yeah. Uh, you like the classic stuff, and you started drawing your own comics. Yeah. I, I feel like you and I are like a parallel version <laughs> of the same person. <laughs> we got a lot in common. It's true. It, it's it's fun. It's yeah. fun that you know. It's fun to to from my side of this to to see your art around for for years, really, and then you know start to follow you on social media. And then, you know, reach out to you and then, and then now talk to you and find out, man, we're, we, it's, it's cool to, to kind of 
really be into someone's art or their their talents and then find out wow we're we're like we're like the same guy so uh <laughs> i also marvel i love the old stuff i had a lot of wolverine yeah. and i did start drawing uh comics my own comics yeah like uh you know you just take the the, the drawing paper you fold them in half staple the pages together yep. and i'd write write i would write as i would go along with the story is that how you would go about it uh yeah as i was drawing it i would then kind of just draw little caption bubbles and kind of <laughs> write in the words right there as i was doing it yeah there wasn't a whole lot of uh planning that went into it i did, just wanted to, to to just to start sketching stuff out now no was you sketch out your own characters or were you like drawing like marvel stuff uh it was probably a little Disney bit of both stuff. yeah yeah, I was kind of mimicking stuff that I was looking at, but I was also trying to add my, I was also trying to add my twist on it. Um, a lot of times it was like, like it was like army men and they would be fighting, you know, like nuclear dinosaurs or like something crazy like that. Right. So <laughs> you know, just, just, uh, it was a good, uh, uh, exercise of the imagination for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I would draw these, um, weird mashups of me and my friends in high school. And we would fight like Marvel superheroes or different heroes. Oh, and then when we when we when we would beat them, yeah. we would then gain their powers. Ooh. So I was Carnage in the, my own Carnage. Oh, nice! Yeah, nice. <laughs> a, little, a little bit of ego right there. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, I yeah. <laughs> it makes me think of uh, I could just imagine little Mike. Uh, just draw and be like, I'm like, I'm cool like Carnage. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Carnage Mike, was cool. Mike, you are cool as Carnage. Oh, thanks. <laughs> so, so Ricky, do you still have those those old the comics that you would draw, or did you throw them right in the garbage? Uh, I'm pretty sure most of those have been destroyed. Uh, my mom might have saved a couple, but I haven't seen them in <laughs> I haven't seen them in 30 mm -hmm. years. So, man, yeah, um, yeah. if they ever if they ever surface, let's uh, let's. Let's look at our old. I'd love to compare. scan them and Let's... post them online somewhere. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that'd be fun. Um, so, like when you, so growing up in the Bay, being in comics, there was obviously a, a few comic conventions that were out here. Most notably, WonderCon back in those days, and then Ape, which is the Alternative Press Expo. Yeah. Did you go to any of the conventions when you were when you were growing up? I never did. No, uh, baseball card shows were the ones that I was going to. Um, they had a big one at the Moscone center in San Francisco back when I was a kid. And I remember going there and, uh, they'd have, you know, uh, player autograph sessions. And so my dad would always take me and, um, I remember meeting like, um, we met, um, who, uh, like Mark McGuire and Jose Canseco and Will Clark and, you know, all like the Bay area legends would be there. Uh, who else was there? Uh, oh, I can't remember. I don't know. It's been a long time ago, but. Um, those are some good, those are some good names. Yeah. Those are some good name drops. Yeah. A lot of yeah. good memories going to those things. Um, um what about like, uh, so I know when you went to college, I, I, you know, I looked you up a bit and I, I saw you went to some, to college down in San Diego. Did you yeah. ever go to comic con while you were down there? I did. Yeah. Some early comic cons. Yeah. It wasn't quite the, the chaos that it is now, but, um, when I was living down there, we went to a couple. Uh, in like, it was probably 2000, 2001. Um, I think they had just yeah. started doing it at the convention center. Yeah. I think that was my first time going was, it was one of those years. I think it was 2000. Yeah. It was my first time going to Comic-Con. Yeah. And how was it for you though, going 
to school in San Diego, to college in San Diego, because, you know, it is San Diego, you know, like it's yeah, probably really hard to study. Uh, it was a good time for sure. Uh, I moved down there when I was <laughs> 19. Um, and I went to this little sleepy surfer design school. It was called uh, the Advertising Arts College. And uh, it was in a business park in an uh, uh, area of San Diego called Mira Mesa. And I found out about it through a friend of mine from up here who had enrolled and, and he was going. Um, and I decided to apply. I didn't really have a lot going on at the time. So I just decided um, graphic design could be a good career move, right? I didn't really have the confidence to make it as a fine artist, but graphic design kind of merged the two things that I liked, which were art and computers. So in my mind, I was thinking, oh, that could be the career move. So I moved down um, to San Diego and I knew a couple of people from up here that also moved down. And so um, hung out with them a lot, but um, yeah, it was definitely a, a, um, a change of scenery for sure. Growing up in like a small little hick town and like here I am in this, this big city. Um, my, my Honda Prelude got stolen a month after I moved down uh, from our apartment uh, complex parking lot. And that was a real eye-opening experience. You know, it was definitely like, a, um, you know, we're not in this little sleepy town anymore. You know, like it's, it's, uh, <laughs> it's a lot yeah. different down there. Uh, it was cool though, man. We, uh, you know, we, we'd go down to Tijuana because um, we weren't old enough to drink yet. So we go down to TJ and, uh, and go down there and have a good time. This was pre-2001, so it was a lot easier to get across the border. Um, you know, and a lot of beach time and a lot of parties and, um, yeah, it was a lot of, it was a lot of fun down there. Yeah. I couldn't imagine, uh, going to school as, as a, <laughs> at that age down there. Um, yeah. I mean, I can barely keep my shit together enough to go to Comic-Con, uh, as, <laughs> you know, a 40 year old man, let alone <laughs> keeping my stuff together to go to school at, at 19. Yeah. Um, uh, but did you ever, let me, I sure. just two, two quick questions about your Honda Prelude. Mm -hmm. One, was it lowered? Yeah. And two, did you get it back? I did. Yeah. You <laughs> know what's funny is they, uh, okay. So, the, so they stole my car, they stole the rims, the radio, all that stuff. Uh, uh, and they found, uh, they found it in Oceanside. Um, and they used, they used my jack to to get the rims and so the car was just sitting on the ground in some uh, on some you know abandoned or some you know like like sleepy road up in oceanside and then it went to this auto body shop where the auto body shop dicked me around for a good three months and so i didn't have a car for for a long time after that um and it was it was never the same after that i finally got my car back but it never felt like it was my car and so eventually um uh, I let it go and I, I started driving a different car after that. Yeah. 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 I know. Right. It, it, it is something so violating. It's about so violating. It. Yeah, so, it really is. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of violating mm -hmm. and, and what that feels like. Mm -hmm. So, so, you know, in the art world and you know, in the art scene, a lot of people, you know, see stuff, you get inspired by things. I mean, I do it. I, I've been inspired by other artists and kind of use elements and like mimicked them to my own as, as I was learning how to create my own style and stuff. And, and, you know, you having such like a defined style, like if someone sees your mural, it's, it's almost instantly identifiable as, as, as a Ricky Watts piece. And do you find that 
your stuff is mimicked or imitated or, you know, your style is kind of stolen or, or do you see like people like swiping your art off the internet and kind of putting it on stuff as their own? Like, what's that like for you? Uh, I do notice it and I try not to give it a lot of, uh, attention because I feel like I'll just spiral and start going into a very dark place um, if I think about it or if I really kind of pay attention to it. Um, so I try to just um, be flattered by it and um, really kind of look at it from the perspective that it's someone who's inspired by what I do and um, they they like um, the particular style or the particular technique. And so they want to implement it. And yeah, I also use it as motivation to kind of keep evolving. Right. So if somebody takes something that I do, I just kind of think to myself, okay, you can have that. Cause I'm already on to the next, you know, and I'm doing this over here now. And so, um, that's kind of how I like to approach it is, is that it's, it's more of motivation to keep, you know, to keep evolving and to keep producing new work and not, let things get too stale, you know, kind of stay ahead mm -hmm. of it. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Did you also listen to outcast when you were younger? Yeah, of course. Or, or, Early outcast. So they, oh my God. You, they have that one infamous line. Uh, you're only funky as your last cut. Yes. Right. Sure. So you got to keep it fresh. That's right. And, uh, but so, so let me ask you this. So, so, okay. So you were a young, a young lad drawing yeah. comics. Um, you, you <clears> figured that, well, I'm going to be a graphic designer. And th that's kind of where I, where I went as well. So I can relate to like, I don't know. I wanted to be a comic book artist. Like I, I thought that's what I was going to do. And, uh, you know, it didn't happen in the way that I thought it would. So graphic design was still like a great way to, for us to be artists and to have that be our, our, our nine to five, so to speak. Right. So, so you go to, you go to school, you learn in graphic design and how do you integrate that into your, into your already, is the, the art style that you already had created? Uh, the graphic design for me became the foundation for what I do now. Um, back then, the graphic design was a way to get a job and it was a way to, to make money, right? So I was working, I kind of fell into working at print shops and doing like pre-press and color separations and stuff like that. Um, and so that's kind of what I, that's what I did for about 10 years um, just until I got to the point where I was able to make the leap into the freelance world. Um, and so at the time it, I wasn't doing graphic design so that I could produce my own artwork. It was more just something so that I could make money, um, and kind of sustain myself until I was able to, to, to figure out how to to make it as a fine artist, you know, that long, that long path of, of, of kind of getting to that point where you're eventually able to quit the day job and just do the fine art stuff. So now, um, I stopped doing commercial graphic design work and now the design stuff that I'm doing is mostly just, um, creating my own artwork and doing, you know, setting up graphics for either, you know, apparel stuff or merchandise stuff or, um, so now it's, 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 it's evolved to, to just, um, to just promoting my stuff instead of working for somebody else. Yeah. And, and, and isn't that the dream, right? Like if I can, if you can, if you're an artist and you can make a living just 
selling your art yeah. that you want to create when you want to, I mean, obviously if someone says, Hey, here's some dough, will you paint this for me? You go, I mean, that's still like art for hire, but sure. They're probably going to hire you to do the stuff that you're known for doing, which is, which is the dream, right? Right. And, uh, I listened to your shag interview, um, a couple of days ago and he mentioned something about doing what you love, even for less money. Like it, it's still like, when you're doing what you love, the money really doesn't matter, you know, because you have happiness and happiness is probably the most valuable thing in the world. And that really struck a chord with me because I was definitely making more money when I had a nine to five and it was, you know, consistent, you know, getting a paycheck every two weeks. And, um, but I was miserable. Right. And so, so once I quit the job, it was like, it happened almost immediately, but it was like the clouds parted. And I just, I, I felt this, this sense of purpose, you know, like doing, doing my own art and just being in control of what I wanted to do and being able to, to say no to jobs if, if, if it wasn't the right fit for me or, or kind of, you know, um, just, there was just so much, um, I don't know what I'm trying to say, but there was, you know, there was just so much, um, of this weight that was lifted off of me, you know, once I, I kind of got, got free of, of the, of uh working for somebody else oh yeah man it's like it, it i totally can understand and obviously relate and and uh you know when you're when you're doing something for hire not only are you doing what someone else's vision is um you know and and, and i'm sure you're familiar with with the artist skinner yeah right? of course and so he said this thing one time um to me that has stuck with me and i've repeated it many times to other artists and, and the like of if you're not going to if you're not gonna, if you're not gonna follow your dreams, someone else is gonna pay you to follow theirs, mm. and mm-hmm. and and you can and you can put that on anything, right? On any kind of work that you do, but I think as artists, it's exactly what you're saying. Like, you know, you get a job, and and sure, you get some dough, and you get to pay the bills and feed the family, and um, you know, go out and go to TJ or wherever you want to go, right. but. But, but but in the end, you're doing something for someone else and they're going to have the edits and they're going to suggest it should be like this and that might go against what you see as the vision, right? And I'm sure sometimes you're like, I don't even like the way this looks, but that's the, what the client wants. And so it goes and it's out there and it's got your name on it potentially. But but when you're doing your own thing, ah, it's such a fulfilling feeling and and and, and what better way to live on this planet than to be living in a way where you feel like you're fulfilling yourself and you're fulfilling uh, things for others. Because when you follow what you feel passionate about, not only do you feel it, but everyone else gets to reap the benefits of it too, because it shows. Absolutely. Yeah. So like, so, so when, when you were doing graphic design for other people, like what were some of the jobs that you took? Um, Freelance. I was doing just basic print stuff. I was doing, um, you know, business card setups and like, uh, I did some album cover artwork for friends of mine. Um, I was, uh, I was, you know, making flyers for, for parties and for clubs and stuff like that. Um, it was all pretty, it was all pretty basic stuff, you know, there was nothing too crazy. Um, but it definitely, it, it really, um, kind of helped me create this foundation for what I'm doing now. And so looking back, I, I, I was kind of miserable doing it, but I'm glad that I had to kind of go through that to get to where I am now. 
yeah, it all it all still goes into learning. You know, even a, something as boring as a business card. Yeah, depending on depending on you know if it's if it's a business card for an artist, that might be kind of fun. But you're probably not going to design another artist's business card. You're going to design like a, a fitness um, a fitness counselor or right. trainer or a right. lawyer or something incredibly boring. Right. You know? Yeah, it was all pretty just, cookie cutter. Rather right, just like stare at the wall and then do that. <laughs> so, so, the, so then, like, what was the turning point for you? Like that to me is always interesting. Like, what what was it that where it shifted? Where, mm -hmm. you, wrote, where you noticed a change in what you were you were doing, where things started to climb out of the business card lifestyle. Um, I doing the graphic design so. Working for print shops, um, I was still I was still making art on the side, and I really enjoyed making art. I really wanted to do that, um, and so eventually I realized that the graphic design was was not where I wanted to. It wasn't quite creative enough for me. What I really wanted to be doing was the fine art stuff, and so I I said, okay, how can I get to that point where I'm just doing fine art? Um, and so I put together a plan. Um, I paid down all my debt. Uh, I was living as cheaply as possible. I was able to save a little bit of money. Um, and I just, I quit my job and it was 2009. It was the height of the recession. Um, my boss later told me like, it's a good thing you quit cause I was going to have to lay you off anyway, <laughs> but Ooh. I needed to do this for me. Right. So I quit mm -hmm. and I immediately Went to New York City like the day after I quit my job. I went to New York for like five days just to get inspired. Like I didn't go there for anything other than to go to like museums and just go walk around and just get excited about art. And for whatever reason, I just decided New York was the place where I wanted to go and do that. So I did that, and then I came back and I just hit the ground running. Um, the one nice thing about quitting in the middle of the recession was that a lot of the clients that I was doing work for. At the print shop, um, they wanted me to continue doing graphic design for them at, on a freelance basis because they still needed to do marketing and, and to keep their, their 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 businesses out there to to continue to bring in money because it was really slow. Um, so I got a lot of freelance gigs right off the bat, um, and so that was able to sustain me for the first couple of years until I kind of put together that plan for the fine art stuff to to take off. And so, um, this is 2009 when I quit my job and then I was able to kind of flip the switch completely in about 2015 and just live off of my art full time and, and, uh, and, and stop doing the, the commercial graphic design work. Mm. Now, was there something around that time, that 2015 time where like you, you were in a magazine or you did a, a mural at a, at a, like a music festival like what was the the tipping point there um or was it just like a an accumulation of all the different things you've been grinding on over the, it was the an accumulation years? i had started doing the the colorful abstract stuff around 2011 to 2012 and that was starting to kind of grow some legs and um i was painting events like outside lands music festival in san francisco and so people were seeing my work there um, and then in 2015, I, I was kind of at that point where it was, I had to quit doing the design stuff because the art was taking up so much of my time. 
um, because I, I was getting these 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 commission jobs, or I was you know doing art shows or, or things like that, and so it, it kind of forced my hand to 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 quit doing the design stuff and just really focus on the fine art stuff. And I um, also 2015 was kind of when I made a conscious decision to just focus on doing the abstract, colorful work because I was trying to do a couple of different styles at that time, and um, I felt like I was kind of spreading myself too thin, or I was running, you know two races at once. And so I, I decided, okay, this is really kind of taken off. I'm going to see where this goes and I'm just going to focus on that. And, and, and so that's what I've been doing now consistently um, for about seven years. And, and it's been, um, it's been a fun ride, man. I've gotten, I've gotten to do a lot of fun projects. Um, I've got to work with some great clients. It's taken me all over the country. Um, and so it's, it, you know, it's, I'm, I'm I'm excited um, to see where it goes, and and I've I've really kind of enjoyed uh, the process. Let me let me ask you a little bit more about that because yeah. I I re I relate to you obviously in a lot of ways, but also like having all of these different kind of irons in the fire, like the design work, you know, the fine art stuff that you're doing, you know, and now that takes you on the road, um, you know, when it takes time to make a piece, when you're doing, you know, the 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 design work that also takes a lot of time and, and back and forth and uh, a lot of alone time, but also um, how did you learn? Like what, how did you figure out to say no? Because for me, I'm curious cause I'm, I'm, I'm actually going through this kind of right now as, as an artist where I, I, I have a hard time saying no for one, because I love doing art. I have number two, I hate letting people down, but number three, I also don't want to say no to money. And so like, totally. I will, I will stack up things so much that, you know, I'm forgetting stuff or I, oh no, I forgot about this project I said yes to. And then it's due in two days. And so like, how did you tell yourself or teach yourself to, to say no and, and just go with the one, one Avenue kind of, um, I did a lot of jobs early on that I didn't want to do. I knew I wasn't going to be a good fit for it, but I kind of forced myself to do it because I was afraid to say no, because I thought if I don't do this, there's never going to be another job behind this. And I'm going to have to go back to doing it, to doing it, to, you know, to working for somebody else. Um, and so I did a lot of those jobs and I got this feeling where I would just I knew I didn't want to do it because I would put it off, right? I would just procrastinate. I would do other jobs that didn't pay any money just because I didn't want to do that one job that did pay money, but I knew I wasn't going to be a good fit for it, right? So I, it's going to sound funny, but I kind of just put my, my, I put my faith in the universe, right? I, 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 um, I started saying no because I, when someone would reach out about a job and they, and they pitched it to me and I would immediately get that feeling that I don't want to do this job. Right. And so I just, <laughs> I forced myself to say no, because I knew I was going to go down that whole path of, of putting it off and, and procrastinating and then doing a half-assed job that I didn't like. And so I just, I forced myself to say no. And I, 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 had enough confidence and enough faith in my, what I was doing that another job would come along, even if I did say no, something that would be a better fit for me later on would come. And that's kind of the universe taking care of me. Um, and I, 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 
uh, I, I've kind of, I don't know, as ever since I, I, I quit my last job, I've always just kind of said, you know, I'm just going to put it out there and put my faith in the universe and the universe has yet to let me down. Right. I've, I've been able to pay my rent, pay my bills. Everything's taken care of at the end of the day. Um, sometimes jobs go away and they're big projects. And I think to myself, oh my God, what am I going to do? And then another job will fall out of the sky. And, you know, it's kind of the universe saying, here you go. Like, you know, there's still, there's still work out there for you. You know, don't, don't give up. (laughs) Yeah, no, I mean, that doesn't sound, you know, to some people, yes, that may sound what they like to say, woo, woo, woo. Yeah, but uh, I I'm totally with you in like just trusting in the path and in the universe and that if you're following what you feel like is your true yes your true purpose here like that things are going to open up for you in that way. Um, but I also understand that the scarcity complex of like if I say no to this, what if something else doesn't come along or um, you know just like that fear. But it sounds like you're at that point where you've come to to recognize that. You know, there is going to be stuff to come along. Yeah, and uh, for me, a good way to kind of get around uh, the 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 fear of saying no is saying to the client, "Hey, I know I'm not going to be a good fit for this, but my friend would be awesome at this. You should give him or her a, a you should give them a chance, or you should like hit them up to do this project, right? Because they're going to be a way better fit, and you're going to be much happier with the outcome than if you have me do it." And so that kind of, it's exciting to kind of, you know, throw my friends bones once in a while, you know, and, and, you know, kind of see them also do well, because it kind of brings everybody up. Ah, I like that. I'm right. going to take a note of that. Yeah. So I'm going to, I'm going to use that as a, <laughs> as a tool. So, so, all right. So let's say someone wants to hire you like to, to do a mural, like a, a business reaches out, like, I don't know, I'm just going to throw a name out there. Like Adobe It's like, right. Hey, Ricky Watts, we want you to do something on our San Jose downtown building, like, like what's that like? Like, and, 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 um, like how do they, how, how does that something like that happen for you? Um, usually when a company reaches out, they're already familiar with my work. And so they kind of know what they're looking for and they know what they're getting. Uh, so it's a little bit easier than, you know, if they were just going to reach out and say, Hey, we love what you do. Can you come up with a concept? Like they're already kind of knowing, Oh, it's going to be bright, colorful. Um, it's going to be this certain look. Right. And so that kind of takes a lot of the guesswork out of it. And it kind of gives me, um, the, the ability to kind of come in and, and do what I do, but also kind of do a little custom twist on it. Like, so sometimes like they'll want to do specific colors or they'll want to have, you know, something incorporated like a logo a lot of times or like something that th- 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 that's kind of worked into the design to make it unique to their space. Um, and so that's kind of what what my um, what what my planning has. What it does mostly is, is it's just, you know, putting together something that's unique to to that client. But, um, you know, most of the time it's it's pretty much my style or like what I do. I, I, uh, Uncle Dad and I were talking before the show and he mentioned, he lives in San Jose and he mentioned he saw one of your pieces. Where was it again, Uncle Dad? Uh, yeah, so it's uh, it's your powwow piece you did. Yeah, downtown. Uh, 
Yep, yep. Yeah. So I lived like literally like a walking distance from it. Yeah. And uh, you know, one night I was really drunk and I was walking by and I was like, "Hey, one this night. is the guy. This is the guy that we're gonna talk to. Heck yeah!" Nice. So I took a picture and I was I was so excited about it. But uh, I'm actually kind of glad you brought that up because I am curious. You know, I, I loved that whole that whole world of powwow. How do you get involved with the powwow? Uh, I guess community. Uh, I reached out to them. I saw that there was oh. a powwow San Jose that was coming, and I. <laughs> Uh, I, I was trying to get my foot in the door with powwow. Right. And so they, nice. they, I saw somewhere online that they announced that they were going to do a powwow in San Jose. And I said, Oh shit. All right. So I reached out to them and said, Hey, I would love to be involved in next year's project. Cause this was like a month before powwow was there was kicking off. And so I figured they were fully booked. They had all their artists lined up. Um, maybe next year I could get involved. But I, I, I just kind of wanted to throw my name out there and say, hey, I would love to be involved with what you guys are doing. They responded and said, hey, do you want to do a wall this year? And I said, yes. And so that was how that one came up. Um, and so it was totally, not last minute, but but there was not a lot of time for much. Um, but uh, I got down there, I painted that mural. And then there I met the founder of Pow Wow, Jasper Wong. And so... Um, I kind of, I, we talked, I talked with Jasper for a while. And then later after powwow in San Jose, he reached out and said, Hey, do you want to come out and do the one in Hawaii? And I said, absolutely. And so that was kind of my foot in the door with, um, with those powwow projects. And now I've done one, I've done three, Uh, I did San Jose, Hawaii, and I also did one in Cleveland, um, last year. That's that's awesome. I just just know that that piece is so beautiful every time I see it because it's by one of my favorite bars. So I always walk past it now when I go to my favorite bar, and now it's like it just holds a special place because you know talking to you and whatnot. So thank you, yeah, that, thank you so much for just coming out and doing that. Because I also believe too, and I'm just gonna throw this out there because I always do. I think San Jose gets slept on the most when it comes to the art scene, and I think it has truly one of the best art scenes in the world in in, in the art the bay, the bay at least. I think. Uh, and so thank you for contributing it, to that. It's often overlooked, man, for sure. Um, yeah. But what's crazy is a lot of these tech companies down there, they have insane art collections and insane murals that are inside their buildings that nobody ever sees except for the people that work there. Right? It's just like they have it's these – like I did a job for Google a couple of years ago and it, they, they have this whole like internal um, art program that it's just – they just do these really rad pieces inside their buildings and you would never know they were there uh, if you're driving by. You know, it's just, yeah, it's crazy. Well, that's another tech problem, but I don't, don't get me started about tech. <laughs> right. Yeah, let's not go down that road. <laughs> yeah, let's do <laughs> Yeah, let's all bash tech for the next 20 minutes. <laughs> um, it is a shame though that, uh, you know, I mean, it's great for the people that get to work work at the building and see the art but it is a shame that you know it's kind of like it's kind of like those those jackets that you buy and on the inside the, the lining has this really cool pattern but, yeah but no one sees that the outside of the jacket is just a just a plain color right um so like what so i mean that's cool you got to do something for google but but powwow is that is that like a like a native american like powwow is it native american artist or no you, um no no so different powwow powwow got its name from comic books, right? Um, it, it, it was those, um, those comic captions like pow and wow, you know, it was those big, like exploding, 
uh, caption bubbles, right? And so that was how it 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 was. That was how it was imagined, right? But it quickly became um, a Native American thing, um, and mm. so they've actually they've, they've gotten away from the from the whole powwow thing completely, and now it's just become worldwide walls. Um, and so it's still put on by the people that, that founded powwow, but it's instead of calling it like powwow San Jose, now it's called San Jose walls, or it's called, um, the one that I, I did in Cleveland, what was called Cleveland walls. It wasn't called powwow Cleveland anymore. Um, and so they've kind of gotten away from that, that even though it, it wasn't ever meant to be, um, a native American thing, it was, it, 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 that's how it was perceived. And so they decided to just, to just just to cut ties with the name and 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 move on to something that was a little more general yeah i mean obviously it, it definitely fooled me <laughs> uh, what about so what's uh what's like one of your favorite favorite pieces that you've that you've done like for what client or where or where uh, do you have a do you have a favorite i know it's a really hard question because when people ask me like what's your favorite piece you've ever done i'm like well fine it depends on what day of the week it is but like what are what what is one that comes to mind i think the one that i'm most proud of is probably the google project that i did um that one was it was a year in the making and it it couldn't have worked out any better because it i got the job in uh, kind of late spring, summer of 2020. And we all know at that point, uh, for most artists, all of our work had just, had just vanished and we were all trying to figure out what we were going to do next, right? Because of the pandemic. Um, all my jobs just disappeared. And then this Google thing, it didn't fall into my lap, but I, I, it, 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 it came around and, and it was like the universe was saying, you're going to just going to do this now, right? So I worked on the Google project for about a year uh, before actually painting it. And it was, I painted the lobby of one of their original buildings. It was building 42 on the original campus in Mountain View. Um, and because it was the, it was the entire lobby, I, it was a total of 10 walls that just wrapped from, from one, from the left side of the lobby all the way to the other. And I painted things like air ducts and I painted some of the art spilling onto the floor. And so there were all these different components that went into this project. Um, I worked with the interior design team because we designed the furniture to complement the mural. And I worked with the AR team because some of the, some of the murals uh, sections would come alive with some augmented reality type features and and so there was all these different working parts that i had to to consider while i was designing this piece um and so for that one to finally uh to finally get painted and and to get completed i mean it, it was such a uh, a marathon of a project that i think that was probably the my most favorite piece that um i'm the most proud of today yeah and i mean yeah. it's a great uh it's a great client to have on your resume too, right? Google. It was a fun job. Yeah. yeah. It, it, it was interesting because the place was totally vacant w w when I was there because everybody was working from home. So I was kind of in this, I was there for three weeks. I was there every day for three weeks straight. Um, and it was just, it was a ghost town. I mean, it, it was me and the security guards and like a couple of contractors. 
Um, but there was just, there was nobody in there. And, but it, it was weird because it was like, everybody had just gotten up and left. Like all their stuff was still there. Like there were still bikes mm. on the bike racks and there was still like stuff on the desks. And it was just like this apocalypse had happened and everybody just ran away <laughs> and left. Everything. And you're in, you're in there painting the walls after an apocalypse. And they're alone. Yeah. <laughs> it was, uh, it was a really yeah. interesting experience. Yeah. What about like if someone says, Hey, I want you to paint a mural on the side of my house or at like a kid's birthday party or something like that. <laughs> Do you take on jobs like that? Ever? Occasionally. Yeah. A lot of the times, um, I I'll, I'll give somebody a, a, a bid on a job and then I'll never hear from them again. Right. You know, it's like, <laughs> and it could even be like a hundred dollars and somebody would say, Oh my God, a hundred dollars. Are you serious? You know? And so oh, it, it's, God. it's crazy. Like people's perception of what art costs, you know, because they're not paying for, the art they're paying for the artist's time and all the materials and all the, you know, the travel expenses and all the stuff that goes into it. Right. So I get hit up a lot about doing, you know, commissions on someone's garage door, or like come and paint my kid's room. And, um, it, it doesn't really actually ever translate to, to work. <laughs> Cause uncle dad wants you to paint his bathroom. That's why I was asking. <laughs> yes. For you, I, actually, I, <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I have a I have a kitten a litter box. I want you to paint oh, the outside man. of the litter box. <laughs> <laughs> that you can afford that, Uncle Dad. <laughs> yeah, that'll be easy. That'll be like that'll be like what two hundred bucks easy. Sure. <laughs> no, but but you're right though, Ricky. Like people often do. Like they don't they 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 think they're just paying for like the piece on the wall or the the right. piece in the frame. But but and, and yeah, it art isn't cheap, especially like when you're not only paying for, for the piece itself, you're paying for the supplies, you're paying for the, like all the things you said. Plus like, Hey, I got to feed a family, you know, like this is, right. this is what we're doing here. Right. You know, I'm not, I'm not doing this in my spare time. Um, so when you're doing art or like you're doing, I, I assume, you know, you're, you're painting Google, you're by yourself, you know, the security guard can only talk about so much for so long. Yeah. I assume you're probably jamming to some tunes. So like when you're not reliving the past, listening to, uh, you know, Bay Area Players Part Two. <laughs> what what do you what are you jamming to when you're uh, when you're working or in the studio working? When it's a long project, I get really sucked into audiobooks and um, a lot of like historical audiobooks. Um, I love listening to, like for example, like the, there's a great one about how the Golden Gate Bridge was built. You know, and it's it's this, uh, you know, and it it just. I love the audiobooks because it, it takes up chunks of time and I can kind of dive in and out of them and, and I can spend, you know, a couple of days just kind of listening to this one story. And so when I'm doing stuff like that, projects like that, it's usually a longer audiobook. Sometimes I'll, I'll binge on podcasts or um, a lot of art podcasts, a lot of sports podcasts, stuff like that. Sometimes some comedy ones. Um, but yeah, for the most part now, like the older I get, the less I find the less music I'm actually listening to. You know, it's become more, I'm more just listening to information than, than, than music. Isn't that, yeah, that's, uh, that's interesting. I, I, I find myself in a similar sense. Yeah. There are certain things I work on though, where I don't know, maybe you get this or not, but where I, I don't want the words. I don't even want to listen to music with words. Mm. I want to listen to music with no words because I really needed to let my, yeah to get into my right brain. Right. And let that kind of take over yeah a lot of ambient um, stuff a lot of instrumental stuff yeah I, I can definitely relate to that for sure 
Yeah, like Tycho's uh, mm. Tycho Bonobo. Those are good, yep. good jam stuff. Yeah. Um, but it's also really nice to listen to a podcast about the Golden Gate Bridge and how it was built because you're learning. Right. You know? I love, yeah, I love uh, stuff, you know, stuff that I'm interested in and, and stuff that I can relate to. Like the Golden Gate Bridge is something that I've been driving across my, my entire life, you know, but what really, you know, what's the history behind it? And so getting to, to kind of go down that rabbit hole is, is fun sometimes. Can I ask you a quick question about the Golden Gate Bridge? Yeah. Let's see if you know, because I don't know, Ooh. and I want to, and I want to know Ooh. how many how many people died during the making of it. What a morbid question! <laughs> uh, I don't know because it's like a crazy amount. That's why I was like, I remember like being like a crazy amount. Yeah, and like I, I don't know. I always find like the, the the tragic side of everything interesting. Sorry. Yeah. Um, I don't know the exact number, but yeah, I know that that safety equipment wasn't wasn't what it is now back then. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's pretty wild. Um, I can't even imagine being up on those, those huge towers no. No <laughs> back then. Right. No. Yeah. No way. As somebody once told me safety lasts definitely in that situation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, geez, you need, maybe you need to go uh, talk to someone about your morbid interests there. <laughs> Uh, we are in the Bay Area. There's lots of therapists out here. I can refer you to one or two. Um, so, so um, what about festivals? You've done a ton of uh, festivals. Are they uh, are they mostly music festivals? I know. I know. I've I, I've definitely seen your stuff at Outside Lands, um, next to next to Skinner, who I mentioned earlier yep. uh, on the big murals. Well, like, what's some of the other music festivals that are cool festivals that you've been able to to do art at? Um, most of the most of the ones, the festivals that I take part of are more mural festivals. And for mm. people that don't know what a mural festival is, the mural festival is usually a week long and it happens in one concentrated area in a city. And it's, they bring in a bunch of artists. It's usually about half artists from out of town and half local artists. And everybody paints a mural on a different wall at the same time. And so you have, it's usually between 10 and 20 artists all painting murals during this week and, and, and people can go around and they can watch the artist in action and they can kind of document the, the process of it and, and see the progression. Um, and then it's usually celebrated at the end by some type of a closing event, whether that's a concert or an art show or some type of, sometimes it's as simple as an artist dinner where we all kind of get together and, and, um, and so I've done a lot of these mural festivals. They've become more and more popular over the last probably 10 years. Um, I think Art Basel in Miami, um, the Wynwood movement, I think that really kind of uh, inspired other towns and cities to kind of create their own version of that where, where they, they do this mural festival. Um, and so I do, I probably say I do four or five a year where I'm coming in. Um, to a place where I've never been before and, and, and painting this mural for a week. And then, and then I go home after that and, and I never go back to that, <laughs> to that place again. Yeah. But, um, I, I call it planting seeds, you know, cause like I'm, I'm, I'm planting seed in these communities and a lot of times I'll get other projects because they saw my, my work in like Rensselaer, Indiana, or like some, like, like some little town where, um, uh, where, where there isn't a lot of, of, of public art there. 
Yeah, that, that's really neat when you can kind of leave your thing there and yeah. then it's there for, I don't know, maybe not forever, but it'll be there for a while and like you will constantly get the the residuals from it, so to speak. Yeah. So like, are there other mural artists that, that you were, or like graffiti artists? Because I know, uh, you know, doing graffiti, there's 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 probably other artists that you've looked up to. Um, yeah. Like I, you know, I look up to you as like, the way you use colors and the way you, you the way your gradients work, it's just like it's inspired some of my art. Um, who are some of the guys that or, or girls that, that that you've seen their art and that's inspired you? Uh, this is always a tough question for me to answer. Um, I, I mean, and if there's not, you can just say I inspired myself. I don't yeah, I, I mean, growing up, I had a lot of, of artist heroes that I kind of wanted to, to emulate, um, artists like Greg Simpkins and Alex Pardee, um, Skinner, um, the, the whole kind of zero friends movement was, was for me was something that, um, I got really inspired and excited about. Um, but now that I've kind of taken on this my own style or my own voice um i i, I don't know if, if there's if i get inspired in the same way as, as maybe i used to mm -hmm. yeah well at this point probably now it's just more like just being around other artists and seeing art in itself yes. is inspiring totally right? yeah sharing stories yeah. um i think that's some of my my most favorite moments are like just talking with other artists and and realizing that I'm not alone in this because it's such a, a lonely, um, not career, but, but, you know, like I spend so much time in the studio by myself. And so some of my favorite moments are being with other artists, sharing stories and just, just kind of talking and, and, um, shooting the shit, you know, and just, just realizing that, that we're all in this together, really. Yeah, I mean that's one thing it is. I don't know if if people a lot of people realize that, but when you are an artist, you do spend a lot of time alone. Yeah. I mean, I, I know when what got me started doing art was when I moved to California from the south and every kid made fun of the way I talk cuz I had a really heavy accent back mm. then and I dressed with non-brand name clothing and I just spent all my time alone even in class doodling and drawing or at home it was drawing my own comics and 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 still i spend a lot of the time alone in yeah. the same way so um so when i was a kid i had a really bad stutter and so i um that was very similar for me where uh art was kind of my escape from from getting made fun of or having to talk to somebody right because i knew that they were going to make fun of me or or whatever it was, but I was able to just kind of escape into my own little imaginative world. And, and then I realized that it could also be kind of a way to get people to like me where I would create drawings and give them to people and then they would be my friend. Right. And so, um, it, it was, it was, uh, yeah, it was, it was a pretty traumatic childhood for sure. <laughs> yeah. I did. I did the same thing. I did the same thing. You know, uh, you know who else had a, um, a very like who grew up with a, a speech impediment that I found out I was surprised was was Bruce Willis. Oh, really? Uh, had a horrible yeah, and and it was at, through 
It, it was like oh god through his act <laughs> i always find a way to wedge in bruce willis into an interview nice. and, and so that was my i saw my window and i nice. just, god damn it. Was so not having it it just every time ricky i'm not telling you every time we have an interview there's some we just did it we just did we just did an interview with a with a japanese filmmaker and and bruce willis came up <laughs> hey i have to find my this is amazing find my way <laughs> but uh <laughs> Anyway, well, I mean, I could shoot the shit with you. I, I have a handful of other questions to ask you, so uh, yeah, let's uh, let's hang out again. And um, we're gonna, you know, we got to wrap up now. But I would love to talk to you again. And and uh, you know, if you ever want to hang out as artist and uh, and shoot the shit while you're working, man, I'd love to. I'd love to do that. Thank See you. That? Yeah, it's been great being awesome. here, man. Thank you for uh, for the time and and um, and the interest. I appreciate it. And, and so. Yeah, for sure, man. Um, and so, what are you are you working on anything now? And I, I know you have a website. I'd like to put that website out there. And is there any projects that you're that you're coming out with that you want to promote, or or like what's the next piece you're working on? What what's happening? Yeah, right now this is kind of my my slower season. Like the the winter time, things kind of slow down with the with the travel plans. And so, um, I'm doing a lot of uh, like holiday commission projects. Um, people that hit me up to create. Um, special pieces to give as gifts to loved ones. Um, so I've got a couple of those lined up that I'm working on and it's just, you know, it's a lot of quiet time in the studio. It's getting cooler. So I've got a little stove out there and I like to put fires in there and just kind of hang out and do my own little thing. And, uh, it usually picks up again in the springtime. And so I kind of, I look forward to these, to these couple months because it, it allows me to, to, to kind of do some, uh, some more canvas work and some more studio based work and kind of develop um some new ideas that i've been playing with for a while cool cool and uh and what's the website so people can go look at your work uh, and, website and is watts.art w-a-t-t-s dot art dot art yep hmm. yeah they got these new ones dot art I'm gonna, I'm gonna look at that um and what about social media you you're uh, you're active on I know you're very active on Instagram and, th- and so what's, uh, what's the handles? Uh, yeah, Instagram, uh, TikTok, Facebook are probably the three big ones. Uh, it's, it's at Ricky Watts, uh, or if you just search my name on there, it'll come up, but on Instagram, it's just at Ricky Watts. Very good. Very good. Uh, uncle dad, anything else over there from you? Oh yes. I have one last question for you, All right. uh, sir, Ricky Watts. Uh, let me ask, we, we have, we don't really ask this that often anymore, but I try to remember to do it. And that question is, if you could recommend any comic book for our audience to listen to, what comic book would that be? Now, if you don't have a comic book, you could recommend a regular book, but we prefer a comic book. I don't have one. (laughs) (laughs) The the history of the Golden Gate Bridge. (laughs) Yeah. That's a good go one, man. Definitely go. Yeah, if you're interested in 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 architecture and industrial age stuff, um, and how things modern marvels were built, that was definitely a good one for sure. Um, I think it's just called it, the bridge. Is it called History of the Golden? No, I think it's just oh, called the bridge. The bridge. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I'll definitely read it so I can learn how many people died. There you go. <laughs> That's all I find out. <laughs> yeah. Go ahead, Mike. <laughs> and then read the the ads for a therapist in the South Bay. <laughs> you know. Um, 
Well, Ricky, it's been a pleasure. Um, I know you've got things to get to. And one last question. Yeah. Did you listen to West Coast Bad Boys? Oh, I did. <laughs> Remember that one? Yeah, old Master P stuff, man. Master P yeah. when he was in the Bay That's right. before the Nola stuff. Yep. yep. Yeah, of course. Very good. <laughs> Classics Very right good. there. Yeah. All right. Well, yeah. we'll have to we'll have to hang out and compare <laughs> compare more notes of our parallel lives. I love it. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> right on, brother. Right on, guys. Uh, take it easy, and um, we'll talk soon. Okay. Peace out. Take care.